Hey, everybody. This is So Many Sequels. I'm Josh. I'm Batman. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm Garrett. Jesus. I'm David. There we go. <laughs> oh, what a show. God, I don't know. What's what a happening. show. Okay. So, um, welcome to welcome to the show. This is how we roll here. Um, we are, this is our last Christmas episode of the year. No, no, no. Say it ain't so. Yes, yes, yes. Ho, ho, ho. Okay. Um, all right. Yep, 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 yep. Our month of Christmas comes to an end today. Uh, we've been talking all week, or all week, all month about Christmas movies. Four Christmases. Klaus. Um, the night before. And today, um, we're doing my pick which is Batman Returns. Um, and I will go ahead and explain why I picked this movie. Um, the number one reason is because I ran out of time. <laughs> <laughs> and I couldn't, I couldn't settle on one that I really wanted. So I thought it would be fun to pick a movie that isn't traditionally a Christmas movie. It's more of one of those fringe movies where people like to debate it a little bit. I don't really have strong feelings like you know andrew will find any excuse he can to talk about how die hard is a christmas movie even though he's wrong i won't do that with this movie it's not really a christmas movie but it is set at christmas time and the whole movie is at christmas time so that helps so it just puts me in the mood it's like i want to watch a movie that's not a christmas movie but has a christmas vibe batman returns that's a good one to go with so that's why i picked it uh, I also just love Batman. Um, and that's where we're at. So uh, who, you know, I, who I, I won't go first talking about my thoughts. So someone else well, you just tell did. me what you thought. Huh? Uh, you just did a little. I, I, no, I did, but I didn't talk about what I like about the movie. We'll get into that more later. I agree. You know what? You may remember from the great Christmas debate. One of my uh, uh, disqualifiers or, 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 or uh, borderlines was if the other genre of the film overpowers the Christmas component. Clearly you have that here with the superhero Batman story sort of overpowering the Christmas element. But, you know, as Andrew said one time, it's a Christmas themed. Yes. And it, it is it Christmas works. themed. It does make you feel Christmassy, you know. Um, I got to start by saying it's so obvious when you look at, go back and you look at Tim Burton's Batman movies, you look at 1989 and you look at Batman Returns. It's so obvious how much Tim Burton held back in that first Batman movie oh. in terms of his style. Because it was almost like he said, you know, this is an important movie, this Batman movie. I want to kind of capture some of the feeling of the comic book and maybe even the old Adam West show. And in this one, he said, no, I'm doing all my stuff now. I'm going to have Paul Rubens. It's all Burton, baby. I'm going to have a baby in a cage. <laughs> you know, the he's going to eat a duck or whatever. The opening of the movie, excuse me. Cat? <laughs> the opening of the movie yeah. is something out of Adam's family, you know? Yeah. Um, it's just so camp and so absurd. And it, but it has the, instead of having the sort of Adam West style camp, it has all of that Tim Burton gothy black and, you know, giant like uh, uh, statues and stuff. It's just so, you know, I said this about the upcoming Batman film. From Matt Reeves, there's an otherworldly quality to this Batman movie, in which it looks like nothing. It does like there's this time period never existed, with these 
like giant glorious statues and massive faces you know carved into buildings and stuff and uh and like there's there's kind of like a bit of like computer tech but everything also looks like it's from the 1940s you know yeah it is such a unique look and it's fun but it's also like christopher walken looks like a, a, a like a like a looks like a comic book villain but also like he could just have walked right out off the set of edward scissorhands it's so it's so strange and yet and yet and yet it's batman so yeah something i did note though weird thing about this movie batman slash bruce wayne does not speak in this movie until the 36 minute mark there's a long time with no batman talking it's all penguin and shrek and 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 catwoman all their setup for the first 35 minutes of the movie and then they're like all right bruce what do you have to say Mm. i hope he finds his parents all right cut back to penguin here we go yeah and i so i think i i watched this twice i mentioned uh off mic because i i was not feeling it after the first watch um i my quick batman journey is that i remember this one but i didn't like this one because danny devito legitimately both terrified me and disgusted me to a level where i did not enjoy watching this movie because it was so gross um so i didn't really watch it as a kid but i grew up with the joel schumacher ones and so i don't have over familiarity with uh Keaton so I don't have that level of connection with it and so when I went back and watched it it didn't it didn't land with me uh it was a little too much it was a little too much for me um and I and I tie that into the current superhero movies because that element of realism that we get now I appreciate more and so I had I watched it again because I had to live back in a time where Batman was very campy with the Schumacher ones, which I, again, are bad and I don't remember, but those are the ones that I watched. And so going back and seeing that level of camp, I really liked when things slowed down, but at some point in time, it jumped the shark both times and it got to be a little bit too much. And and it had to do with, I think, the Penguin character overall, which is terrifying, but eventually does jump the shark to where I just don't take it seriously and he's not intimidating anymore. and that's a shame because I really like the first half. And then the second half, I'm just like, is this over? And there's still 45 minutes left. So I didn't have that same kind of feeling as, as everybody else. While I like the individual pieces, I think Michelle Pfeiffer's great. I think Danny DeVito's great. I think Michael Keaton's great. I like the way that it looks. I like the world, but there are pieces that I just, for me, don't mesh. And I get a little overwhelmed by it. And then when it slows down and we get Bruce Wayne, and he enters and it calms down, then I am back on it. But overall, I just didn't feel it. It was it was a good movie, but I just didn't like the packaging. Andrew? I really like this movie. And I have since I saw it back in 1992 when it opened in theaters. When you were 30 and, years old. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, fuck you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, you were due for a joke. It's fine. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But like, no, I, I really like this movie. And this really set me, set my tone to Batman whenever I was seven years old. Uh, because this was, a, this, this was one of the biggest movies I had ever seen up until that point. 
Right. So seeing Batman on the big screen was awesome. Uh, watching this today, watching this today, I get the camp. I, I know it's there. Uh, I see the camp and I recognize it. But like, I think there's like so much other quality over the camp that I just completely forget about it. And I love it as much. Tim Burton's not my favorite director. I'm just going to go ahead and just, just put that out there. Tim Burton is without a doubt, one of the, I, I don't know why he's still making movies, but that's, that's for another time. But the thing is, is that Tim Burton, Tim Burton is like, this is one of the better Tim Burton movies I think that are out there. And the design of this movie is really pretty to me. Anyway, it gets the Batman style. It gets why Tim Burton probably was really born to make like design wise, really born to make Batman because it does have that dark feel to it. And I get it. I understand it. Um, I loved the musical score by Danny Elfman. Absolutely loved it. Um, when it comes to performances, uh, Michael Keaton, always great. Hands down, love Michael Keaton. Michelle Pfeiffer is the best Catwoman that's ever been committed. Like, it beats, it, it beats the hell out of Halle Berry's Catwoman and uh, is a far cry from Anne Hathaway's Catwoman. I just think this Catwoman in general was the best one of them all. Uh, and last, but certainly not least, uh, Danny DeVito. I think Danny DeVito in his role as the penguin was a, was a little over the top, but it was great. That's he's one of my mo he's one of my more favorite Batman villains. Just because I think his performance was absolutely wonderful. But other than that, uh, this movie I will put in, it's it's always in my Christmas rotation. Just because it's it's got that nice mixture of action and i wouldn't say mystery it's not mystery it's not mysterious in any way but it has that gothic sense but also it's set in the background of christmas and there's really only one time of year when i really watch this movie and it's around this time of year and for me it's very nostalgic and i think that's where a lot of the credit comes into yeah yeah uh, I, I, I've loved this movie for a long time. Um, you know, and, and I get what you're saying. I don't love, I don't love Tim Burton as of 2021 either, but, but keep in mind, this is, this is before he's oversaturated. This he's on a hot streak right now. Like by this point, he's literally done Beetlejuice, Batman. Um, uh, he did Edward Scissorhands. Edward Scissorhands. So like, this is, this is peak. Burton, in my opinion, um, before he's kind of oversaturated and, and become a bit of, and his style has become a bit of a joke. It's not there yet. So with that in mind, I think his style works really well for, for Gotham City um, because of the Batman films, all of them, I think these, his, that Burton's two are the ones that look the most like a comic book, right? Yeah. Um, Schumacher's are, are, are 
they don't know, it's not a comic booky. It's a little too nineties actiony. Um, but well, they, they but sort of like what style and blow it out with like color. right. But like what what David said earlier, the movie or the setting, it's timeless, right? There's a word for it that I don't remember, but you can't identify a time period mm-hmm. per se. It's and like I Gotham. like that. It's like the setting of Go- of Gotham. The, oh, TV, the TV show. show, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anachronistic, I think that's the word. Anyway, um, but I like. I think that that kind of gothic style works for Gotham because, yeah, the big statues, that's cool. Um, just the just the gaudy architecture that exists, I like it. Um, the villains are something else. Uh, I I think yeah. they both complement each other well because. Catwoman is a little less uh, outwardly crazy than Penguin, who is just a literal monster, um, an actual monster from the depths of the sewers, who is always leaking something black. You no, know, I want to disagree on that. Actually, you want to disagree? Yeah. On which yeah, part? That he's a monster. Well, in that in their characterization, because. Well, you know, I don't know. Maybe there's 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 some wiggle room here, but at least for the first for the first half, I would say of the movie, Catwoman is like a like a talking like a like catchphrase machine. Yeah, you know, like all she says is things like "I'm Catwoman, hear me roar," and "Hello, boys," and things like you know things like really like like trailer lines, you know. Yeah. Whereas you know, you meet Penguin. Uh, or Oswald Cobbett, and he kind of has this like range of character depth where you can't really tell if he's you can't tell how serious he is you know what I mean like he's he's blackmailing this other bad guy but he also seems to have this genuine he's, he's expressing this genuine desire to find his parents and so there's kind of a lot of like uncertainty about how much you can trust this guy is he a freak that was you know thrown away in the garbage by his parents and wants you know revenge on the you know wants some level of 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 justice or is he a vengeful crazy monster guy you know there's a level of uncertainty there whereas catwoman comes across so like i don't know until her until her relationship with bruce starts to materialize or batman i should say starts to materialize she's very like you hit me i'm a woman you should never ignore me like it's all very like it's all very like she's trying to be a super villain to me it's all very one-dimensional until her relationship with batman starts Mm -hmm. i'd push back on the penguin bits a little bit Uh, to me i think he's pretty clearly power hungry i've never ever (laughs) once seen him as genuine i always just saw him as advantageous i don't i don't know i mean just to me i mean clearly you can you know as you go along you read you you see his clear motives but i always kind of think I always kind of think that like the opening leads you to believe like, what is this guy's true intentions? Cause obviously he didn't want to run for mayor that came out of nowhere. So like he just wanted to get some level of notoriety. The mayor thing fell in his lap. Yeah. But also how stupid would you have to be? If you're that, if you're that room full of people that you're like, Hey, we're going to run this guy campaign for mayor. And then he bites some dude's nose off and you're like, Oof, that was weird, but he's just saying what's on his mind and does well, what you he know, thinks. it's not you know, like he's I just a man of the people. He's a man of the people. I definitely yes. can't think of a real life um, alternative to that at all. No, nope. well, I don't. <laughs> nothing <laughs> certain. Definitely leave that in there, but yeah. <laughs> nothing, nothing at all. Um, I get what you're saying, though. He is more. There's more to him than there is to Catwoman. Catwoman is just. On. 
you know, Catwoman is also questionably a zombie. Maybe I don't know. <laughs> Who knows what's going on there? She I, more or less she just survived a fall, and the traumatic experience of being covered yeah. in cats just kind but of set something off in she's there. Definitely not herself anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but I like them. The the villains are they're they're, they're great because um, they you know for different reasons. See, for me, I, I still don't feel like Catwoman's been truly nailed in film. I feel as like a it... character, I think I agree with you. I think, though, that I do think Andrew's right that this is the best version of Catwoman. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, I think you're right that she's not been done justice yet. Because this, like, because like we talked about, this steers so much into the camp, into sort of like the over the top components. Yeah, you know, this would have, you know, this fits in with everybody else's performance in the thing. It's not like she stands out as bad. Everybody else is playing it the same way. But I'm, but you know, so like I'm still kind of waiting for, uh, I guess I'm waiting for something more akin to like, uh, um, for like, uh, you know, like Patrick Stewart as Professor X, I guess, or, mm-hmm. or, or, you know, uh, you know, Steve, uh, Chris Evans as Captain America, something that just like kind of really nails it. Like you relate to them, you want to, you know, you, you're invested in the character, you like them, as opposed <laughs> to being sort of, I'm waiting for someone to get Selena Kyle, I guess, as opposed to Catwoman. Yeah. I mean right 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 it would have been interesting if we had ever <clears throat> if we ever got to see the Catwoman movie that was initially supposed to be made with Michelle Pfeiffer mm-hmm. um before it got muddied all the way to becoming Halle Berry's Catwoman might, I know. Have, been, I know. might have been good might that's been a film good. for another day I do I wanted to also mention how um <clears throat> dark the movie is in terms of uh violent images um i was reading a little background of the movie and i didn't know that um there had been a lot of pushback uh, from both warner brothers and outside forces about how dark the movie was and that like mcdonald's had cut their their happy meal tie-in toys with batman returns because they thought the movie was too dark for families and watching it i i can see that uh it's pretty it's pretty grotesque at moments um much much more so than that first movie and i think it's probably because of what you also said earlier david that that tim burton was like i feel like i should make this uh important and then the next one he's like it's full on me now and that is and that involves um some really gross stuff yeah because like with the first one it feels like there's certain towing the line of like yeah making it accessible and this one feels much more yeah his, like everything is more his style i feel yeah. like and i'm sure you'll get in you'll get into the numbers a little more when we switch to box office but Warner, i guess warner brothers de- determined that that mcdonald's uh tie was they blame that for the lower box office performance yeah yeah we might yeah we'll look into that here in just a minute i i wanted to say too that doesn't. Well, can we talk about the difference between a superhero movie now versus then? Yeah. Does to, to me, it. there was a moment when Batman was beating up circus people in the streets, where I thought yeah. to myself, "Boy, the threats have gotten a lot bigger in superhero movies, haven't they?" This mm-hmm. is so small time uh, compared to the kind of things you would even see Batman doing in a, in a Batman movie. That it, it just feels like uh, you know, there's the the, the term. Avengers level threat has been created where it's like we need something big enough for the Avengers and we and we've gotten so used to world ending universe ending 
you know, galaxy ending events that Batman trying to thwart a deformed strange person from being mayor just kind of feels so mundane, uh, especially compared to having just seen Spider-Man No Way Home. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, right. I think that's a good point. I mean, Batman is a different kind of hero traditionally. He's not the Earth's mightiest hero type of thing that Marvel does with the Avengers. So street level crime has kind of been always been his thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, yeah, you make a good point that like, well, that is also typically Spider-Man's thing, but he's also fighting aliens in, in, in the MCU now. So, they, yeah. yeah, the stakes have changed in some ways for better, in some ways for worse, I think. I'll say I get tired of the world always ending. <laughs> Sometimes I would like it if it were just fighting clowns on the street. <laughs> That's why Ant-Man's refreshing for me. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I just can't, I can't always have the same uh, climax, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and kind of, to kind of piggyback off of that a little bit, I think, like, if anything, Batman, like, these early attempts were really huge stepping stones for what we see now. Oh, oh for yeah. sure, yeah. Without question. But yeah. like, but but the other thing is, is that like, I find these movies to be a little bit more interesting because there's less computer imagery, and you're not being, you're not being like shoved in the face, yeah, not as bombarded, shoved in the face with just a literal barrage of, a little barrage of like noises and color and action and bullets and. S- you know, fist fighting, sword fighting, what have you. It's just like there's time for a buildup and what you're seeing on the screen is completely real. You know, like they had to choreograph and rehearse it. You know, like uh, Batman really had to fight Catwoman, not really on a roof, but, you know, they were really fighting up there in a bat suit. The whole set is, you know, is is real, you know, like. Yeah, yeah, everything is real. You know, like, uh, uh, when Penguin, when Penguin gets away, uh, when Penguin gets away on his like his umbrella helicopter, you know <laughs> that's a real it's a real effect. And you know at the time it was like, oh, that's kind of cool. Uh, when also when like in the very beginning, whenever they take over, whenever they take over the town square, and you see Batman doing his thing and just kicking everybody's ass, you know all those are real things. You know, it's not, it's, it's not like, yeah, this computer generated imagery, we are kind of spoiled by it. I will say we're very spoiled by it because everything nowadays just shot on green screen. And we don't get that kind of, we don't get that kind of almost like two dimensional realism anymore. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it makes sense. It does. There's, there's always going to be a noticeable difference between practical effects and and cgi um and sometimes they hold up and sometimes they don't well but like but what holds up now is that especially with marvel marvel's kind of tapped into that kind of tapped into that side to where you know it's they're they're rewatchable for like they're rewatchable for a reason because they're very tongue-in-cheek you know they're very they're they're not pulp not pop pop culture-esque but they are like highly rewatchable because the content they provide 
the content they provide is very fresh to the day. They've also created their own pop culture world where they can be so meta and literal because everything is intertwined with real life and the Marvel life that their own pop culture is relevant to itself, which is genius, but we couldn't do that back then. Um, But yeah, this definitely set up a lot of stuff for me. I think it's just not, you know, I am more connected realistically with the realistic Batmans of of Christian Bale and Ben Affleck and the stuff that we get now where we're so intertwined with how it is in realism that I forget that we live in a world where initially it all started with the more camp stuff. So when I watched it the second time, I was able to, to remember the, those early ones for me and I enjoyed it the second round. I still think that it became a little bit too much. I think for me, especially the way they handled Danny DeVito's penguin because he was, he was so intimidatingly scary and then they just kept going and going and going to where it became silly. And then I lost all interest in any kind of credible threat that he proposed. Um, Selena Kyle and Catwoman never reached that level of over the topness for me. She started off over the top, like you said, David, with those catchphrases. And I was, again, that was where I went a little too far, but she leveled out. Whereas as Penguin started and then just, whoosh, and he never came back down for me. And so that was just, it wore me out to a level of where there was again, 45 minutes left. And I was like, God, I'm tired, man. (laughs) So it just, it was a little too much for me, but that's not to take away from the movie itself because I am aware that it is a very good movie. Yeah. It sort of sits in this weird zone for me because it's not my favorite Batman movie. That's not to say it's necessarily really like a bad movie. No. All right. Well, any, any other, um, pieces of batman returns anyone wants to talk about oh this is definitely by far my favorite batmobile series like i like this batmobile a lot the batmobile Batmobile, yes mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it shrinks down like it's got the thing i remember having the toy it was great it's the best movie batmobile by far yeah yes long look the uh like the long stretched out look i do like that scene batman just cruising through gotham and he like looks through the window at penguin Looking mm-hmm. up, looking up old birth certificates, and he's just like, hmm. and I just like to be like a, a person on the corner, just seeing the Batmobile just cruise by at ten miles an hour. And you're like, it's just hmm. Batman again. Don't <laughs> yeah. worry about there it. he is. What yeah. are you gonna do? Also, the that, that. uh, you know, Batman is uh, you know, at, at times a fantasy character, but I love the uh, at, one. I don't feel like it makes sense, but two, the over the top uh technique for getting the bat signal into his window. Oh where, yeah! Like this mirror comes up and somehow reflects the sky, and then that reflects over here, and then that reflects into his. Window. You know what though? That's my favorite shot in the. It's a great shot. Great shot. When, when, when it culminates there. with mm-hmm. him standing there, and the oh my gosh! Yeah, the best shot, shot in the movie. It's a great shot, <clears throat> but it is very complicated. I was this wondering. One has, this one has spawned a lot of memes too. Like, yeah, this is the one with the Batman with that weird face where he's like, mm. with the teeth or whatever. My question is, okay, so Batman or Bruce Wayne's in his study in the dark like you do, and the bat signal flashes on the wall. Now, how does he know where to go? Mm-hmm. <laughs> also, it's who told him where to go? Yeah, because the, the spotlight is stationary. It's so unusual to how Batman's normally portrayed these days because now Batman's like always out. Like, it doesn't matter what night it is. He's always looking for something and the bat signal he sees it goes, oh, I got to get to Mr. Gordon. It's kind of weird to see Batman just like chilling. I know. Nothing. That's true. Waiting around. Waiting around. Oh, that's it. Right, here we go. Yeah, they yeah. usually, any more meet. Yeah, usually they meet at the bat. 
Like, yeah, they, they meet on the roof of the police station. Yeah. But in an emergency, he probably Commissioner Gordon's probably busy. Yeah. Um anyway, that was that was my question. How does he know where to go? All right. Somebody well, tweet uh, Tim Burton. Yep. Yeah. Oh, you He's know Batman. what? I wonder if I can do that. Can I look up Tim Burton's bat? Uh, no, I can't. I was thinking that I forgot about that update to box office mojo. Um, yeah. They took a they took it all away. All the good data. Took away a lot of the best data that you can get. Thanks. They used to have like breakdowns by actors and by directors and by different things. Now they, they gave us some of that back, but not enough of it. Next. Anyway. Well, well, what do we got? How much money this movie so, make? Or back in nineteen ninety two is when this movie came out. I was but a lad of two years old. Same. And uh, I know Andrew was uh, taking his uh, permit test, driver's permit test that that, that month. Um, hey, anyhow. he was kinder than I was. <laughs> so uh, it came out, <laughs> June, came out the week of June 19th, 2021. We talked about those Christmas rules. This did not come out at Christmas. Uh, came out June 19th uh, uh, of 1992 and uh, debuted to $45.6 million, a pretty good opening weekend for the 1990s. Mm-hmm. Um, in the number two spot that week, you had Sister Act, uh, brought in 7.7 in its fourth week. Patriot Games brought in 7.7 in its third week. House Sitter brought in 7 million. Uh, and then Lethal Weapon 3 rounded out the top five with 4.7 million in its sixth weekend. That's a terrible so weekend. Two sequels and uh, uh, a future three. sequel. A movie that would have a sequel. Sister Act would spawn its own sequel as well. Um, Batman Returns would go on to make $162 million in the United States. Didn't actually have an international release. I'm not sure if that had to do with uh, it just being the 90s or if that had to do with maybe the uh, concern over the family uh, nature of it. Um, For the year of 1992, this is an interesting question. So we talked about the family friendliness of it and whether or not that have a big impact on the box office. And Batman Returns actually finished number three on the year. Behind only uh, Home Alone 2, Lost in New York, and um, the only time a Disney film, a Disney animated film, has been the number one movie at the box office for a year, and that is 1992's Aladdin. Wow, I did not know that. I know, I looked that up uh, recently because, oh, there was some movie that almost did, there was a a Disney animated film that almost did it, and uh, it got close, but then it got beat out in like the like the remaining weeks. And so I was like, wonder if when how many times that's happened? Because people also like to talk about Disney being a box office giant, but uh, and not to say that they don't make a ton of money every year, but they've only had one year where a Disney animated film has been number one. And that was Aladdin. Uh, just behind Batman Returns was the aforementioned Lethal Weapon three and a few good men. Andrew, off chance, do you know the Oscar winner of nineteen ninety two? I haven't asked you these types of questions in a while. Unforgiven. Unforgiven, Clint Eastwood's Unforgiven. Yep. Yes, yeah. All right, look at that. Um, so this will be the last stat I run. But Batman Returns uh, currently sits. This is unadjusted for inflation, but it sits in the number eight spot for Batman films. Number one, obviously, Dark Knight. Dark Knight Rises. Batman versus Superman. Nineteen eighty nine. Batman and then Batman Begins. Batman Returns is uh, just a few dollars behind the Lego Batman movie, which is also one of my favorite Batman films. It's hard to get nice. me on the, the dislike of Batman film in general. Yeah. Um, that's it for me. Um, I won the letterbox game last week, so I will toss, I, I'll, I'll see what you guys. Okay. 
have a guess. I'll go to Letterboxd. Now, I, I, I tallied up the numbers. This is one of, I think, our last one of the year. Tallied up the numbers to find out who was in the lead. And uh, currently, um, it is, I'm in the lead. Oh. <clears throat> and I don't think it's going to be possible for anybody to catch me because it's 11, Garrett 9, Josh 8, Andrew 7. Wow. wow. Yeah. Sounds like we very have close, a winner. Very close year. Uh, best case scenario, I've already won. Best case scenario, one of you guys can uh, can can uh, get a little closer to me. Uh, one of the problems is we did a lot of shows with no letterbox game this year. We had yeah, a lot. Yeah, it was a little all over the place. This this year gets an asterisk. There Just was like a, last year. Yeah. Let's uh, let's go here. So Batman Returns on Letterbox. What do you guys think? Three point three. Oh, you wow! Now I'm confused. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha. I so doubt. Three three point three from Josh. Wow. Or it's easy from from yeah from Josh Garrett Andrew. Oh my God! I, I like to Josh spit it out first. Throw oh people off. I'm throwing. Three point seven. Three point seven from Andrew. It's a wide gap there too. Yeah, I know. I was gonna go with a three point eight, and then you hit me with that. I I guess I'll stick with it since Andrew hit three seven. I'll just stick with the three eight and just see what happens. All right. Well, it's been an interesting year in the letterbox game. We've had a lot of highs, a lot of lows. We had a big long gap there where like Andrew didn't win for a while. Then we had a big long gap where Josh didn't win for a while. It's been a fun year. Uh, obviously, as the current reigning king, um, I will uh, let you know who won this week, and that's Andrew. Hey, there we go. An amazing job. It was a three point six on Letterboxd currently. A three point six. So Andrew's just one away. Josh, a little too low, and then Garrett, you went the wrong way. You went tried to I go know. over. You tried to guess over just in case. I, I should have gone with a well one dollar. I lost two. <laughs> Andrew, congratulations. Uh, that's a win number eight for you, which ties you with Josh. Tied for last. Tied for last. We're Garrett's killing it. Getting pretty. <laughs> nine. Okay. Very funny. We know. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Funny guy. Funny guy. All right. Well, that's that's it. What do we rate it? Uh, to me, this is a. To me, this is a three and a half star film. Four. I'm gonna I'm gonna go exact same with you, Andrew. Three and a half. I don't like it as much as Tim Burton's other Batman film, so it sits right there in that three and a half range for me. This is like for me a three point two five, but I'll round it up to a three and a half. Wow. Well, it would make sense that the movie I pick, I rate the highest. That's fair. Um, that makes our collective total like a 3.6. So very, very on par with the letterbox community. Okay. Yeah, look at us. It sticks with it. We a are letterboxed. We, we are letterboxed. Um, that's it for our, uh, our Christmas, uh, extravaganza Woo! series. Wrapping it up with the most appropriate Christmas movie possible. Batman Returns. Um, we got a couple more episodes for you before the year is up, though. So make sure you're subscribed uh, in your favorite podcasting app or on our YouTube channel so that you get those when they're released. We will, of course, end the year with our end of the year wrap up, which fingers crossed will be a little better than last year's end of the year wrap up. Um, but that's it. Oh, it was great. The year was bad. Oh, the show was. Great. <laughs> yeah, the show was great. The, the movie selection was not so good. But this year's been a little better, and 
you know, fingers crossed and God willing, next year will be the best yet. Um, so find us online at so many sequels.com. We've got all our links there, the, the apps, the social media channels, follow us, do it. Um, and that's it. We'll be back very soon with, with some more movies before our season ends. Very exciting. Oh, also, if you listen to us on Spotify, you can rate the show now. Isn't that exciting? It's they great. have podcast ratings. Great. They didn't have that before. So if you're listening on Spotify, go to the show page, give us a five-star rating, uh, because why would you give us anything less? I have golden stars. Exactly. And if you listen on Apple Podcasts, you should still go do that. But for Spotify, it's new. So go check it out. Go rate the show highly so that we can uh, continue to grow. And now that's my final announcement. <laughs> we'll see you all next time. <laughs>